Once in Future Authors Podcast. I'm Stephanie, and I'm so delighted to be joined today by author Deborah Burns. She's the author of Authorize It. Thanks for joining me. I am uh, so happy to be here, Stephanie. Talking <laughs> to you is one of life's great pleasures. Oh. I love your enthusiasm <laughs> and all you do for authors. So super happy to be here. Completely my pleasure. And just to catch our, our listeners up, um, Deborah wrote, authorize it, think like a writer to win at work and life. Um, after the lessons she kind of learned and embodied from her memoir, Saturday's Child. Did I say that right? Authorize it is inspired by- yeah, her. inspired by uh, that particular journey because although I was a journalism major in college, um, and spent a lot of time in marketing in my magazine career, um, I never immersed myself in the world of storytelling, nor did I ever really think I would write a book. And it wasn't until I was heart compelled to write that first book that I went on a journey of discovery uh, on how to take the writing talent that I did have, but was suited for something else. It was suited for the headline or the marketing tagline that would entice people or compel people to come along rather than unfolding a story so the reader could jump into it. And as you know, it's two completely different skill sets and I had to learn the second one, by immersing myself in this literary world full of wisdom that 98% of us just don't know because we're never going to write a book. And that was my light bulb moment. I was so grateful for all that I had learned that my business mind kind of kicked into high gear. And I said, how can I bring that knowledge to people who are not writers, but who could use the skill set to advance their careers? And that's what gave birth to authorize it, think like a writer to win. Um, if I hadn't written that first book, this one would never have come along. I love the way you described the journey in writing your first book. You know, you, you said 98% of the people will never write a book. Yes, but 90% want to. <laughs> and that's, that's always a statistic that is absolutely true. That has been, you know, queried and such. So people want to be a writer. They might not have the, the talent and I love the way you said the skill set because I'm such a tangible person. I love that you're sitting here talking about things that you needed to learn along the journey mm -hmm. in order to write this. Mm -hmm. um, benchmarks, things that you picked up and how those skills were then transformed into this. But those skills that you learned all of those ways that you grew. Tell me a little bit about the journey in writing that first book. Did you anticipate that, wow, I don't know anything? Or did you think, I got this before you started? Well, um, 
just a little, you know, minute on on the backdrop uh, of that first book because I said it was like a heart uh, journey. Yeah. Um, and although I had never really thought about writing a book, I was um, I was examining my life and the next steps in my career as the magazine world was changing dramatically. And at the same time, uh, I was thinking about the relationship that I had with my unconventional, extraordinary mother who I had lost more than 20 years before. And I knew there was something kind of unresolved in my very idealized, worshipful relationship that I had with her. And so as a part of this kind of discovery of what am I going to do next from a career perspective, there was a, who am I and how did I get this way uh, moment as well. And then suddenly, because I was open, especially open at that point, I was in a museum and I was looking at portraits of unconventional women from history. And in that moment, I said, I have to learn about them and write about my mother. It like came into me like a thunderbolt. And once that happened, I went on this journey that took seven years and was parallel pathed with the, my day job and clients and everything else. And I started it um, by assuming that I did not know okay. how writers wrote a story. I mean, there's a humbleness to personalities who are open because the older you get, the more you realize all that you don't know. So I'm not a person who says, I have all the answers, no one does. So I went into it uh, thinking I'm going to have to learn. Um, but I started the process by doing the only thing I knew how to do. And I started it as a, as a business presentation, as like a PowerPoint. And that's how I thought through chapters as I did research on the women. And I learned about writing a synopsis and I took a workshop on, on how to plot stories. You know, there were some early little toe dips into how to write a book and, and post-it notes for scenes and that kind of thing. But for me, the most natural tools um, were business tools. It, it was like, how do I approach this in the way I would approach a presentation? So I had these PowerPoints and Word documents that were like companion documents to the PowerPoint and image bo boards and, and um, charts about the historical women and their relationships. And that's what really got me going. So I think I might have a different process or I might've had at the start a different process from some of the writers that you 
that you work with or, or help or coach? Well, you know that I'm the queen of the takeaways. You know, I'm listening to you and I'm like, oh, I'm so glad you said that. And uh, the first thing that you said that I was just loving, and I want to make sure that every one of our listeners hears this, is that you were at a um, professional crossroads in mm-hmm. business. And you had this revelation. Yours happened to take place in a museum. Mm-hmm. I'm all about museums. That your personal history needed to be recognized, validated, um, resolved, um, however words Mm -hmm. you want to put it, but that that this professional crossroads also unearthed this personal journey that you needed to put yourself on Mm -hmm. and reach its stunning conclusion in order to um, be on the correct path professionally. And I love that. It was uh, so organic. You know, I think so many people think my business life is my business life. It has nothing to do with who I am as a person. And no, nope, you mm-hmm. are a whole person. Mm-hmm. And your uh, career is one facet of the beautiful, you know, like a disco ball hanging. And it's all facets that the life is reflect, the light is reflecting. And your personal life is very much right there on that same disco ball. So I, I thought that was a great pearl of wisdom that I, I, I would envision that someone out there needs to hear that right now. Well, then you're going to love this one because, <laughs> because uh, you know, when I said uh, being humble, um, you know, all of that, those early fits and starts, I soon realized I needed much more because I was great at the overview and great at the prologue because I'm wired to sum things up, uh, but I wasn't so great at actually telling the story. And as I said before, unfolding it uh, for Mm -hmm. a reader. Um, But as I quickly learned that, I had more twists and turns and hills, valleys, mountains and valleys um, than I would ever have thought of in this long and winding road. And the book I started to try to write did not end up as the book that was actually published. And whenever you kind of step into the unknown, you have all of these serendipitous coincidences, but you also have lots of failures along the way. And as every writer knows, writing is all in the editing. And and that book originally started out as historical fiction. It was a novel set in a whole other century, set in the 18th century. And it was called something completely different. (laughs) Um, And it was through the process of doing that and creating things around that idea. Originally it was called skirting the rules Mm -hmm. because my mother was a rule breaker and skirter. Um, And that notion gave birth to um, a community for women 
and ways to help women invent and reinvent. And all these things were coming around a book that really hadn't been fully finished. But along that historical fiction path, which actually distanced me from my mother because, and the truth of our relationship, because it put it, it, it gave us different names. It put us uh, 200 years earlier uh, <laughs> and it was completely fictionalized that living out that uh, path or process actually put me into contact with a literary agent who heard and saw everything and looked at me and said, you know, you should really write memoir, which is something that had never until that moment, five years into this creative journey, I had ever considered. But when she said it to me, I had the same feeling that I had in that museum five years before that it was truth and I needed to do this, which meant writing a whole other story. Wow. And one that I couldn't have written had I not lived through that circuitous, long and winding road of the previous five years. I never would have gotten the story to that place with that person who said that to me. And so I'm so grateful for this crazy journey because it was part of the process. And the key word for me is perseverance. That I hear from writers myself and you must hear this all the time it's like really no one knows where they're going when they start mm. and it can take you to entirely new places and you just need to be at it and fill in those blank pages and go with the flow of it until there's a certainty that enters and it takes a long time if people really knew what was involved in birthing something new creatively, no one would do anything because it's so hard. If people really knew about childbirth, we wouldn't have babies either. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> There's That's right. that. But, you know, you, you, you spoke about through, I'll say, the wisdom of your ages, knowing that you didn't know everything. And I'm so excited that you said that, but I, it has not been my experience that everyone recognizes that. That's so valuable that mm. you started this process and, and two things that you, you said that are unusual and incredibly valuable. One is that you, you began knowing, I don't know everything. I need to learn things. And you and I both know that there are plenty of people in this world and, and possibly even more so as they are older, who enter into new things thinking, I know everything and I'm not listening to anyone. 
Mm -hmm. So that does happen. So I, I think what you said about being open to learning and experiencing was huge, but also that the book that you wrote, now I, I knew that the book had a former title. I did not know that it was a fictional book set 200 mm -hmm. years in the past. That I had no idea. That was brand new. <laughs> I knew about the other title, but I just presumed, okay, so it was written from, from this perspective instead of this one. No, no, I didn't know it was a historical fiction 200 years in the past. Now mm -hmm. I'm, I, I've, I have visions of Little House on the Prairie in my head. <laughs> but I'm so delighted that you are talking about how the book that was published the book that's sitting here in my hands is not the book that you wrote. That is not the book that you envisioned, right? Envisioned, yes. And I wrote it. You wrote in it. A career of hard work. It's the hardest work I've ever Absolutely. done. It is, it is the book that you wrote, but after five years, it wasn't the book that you wrote. That's right. That's right. It's it not what I originally book. envisioned. Yes. And that's so freeing for someone who is hitting that brick wall. I always say about that, you know, that, that famous, what do you do about writer's block? And um, generally, if you are blocked, it means just like if you're lost in the woods, don't keep trying to push forward, backtrack and see where you lost your way. You know, and, and somewhere you're pushing too far in more. And it sounds like this after five years was not what you needed to be writing. Yeah, I mean, it changed. Now, that first book is there. Uh, it needs like rounds of editing on my card. Um, and it may live someday, but I also know this. The world has changed so dramatically since I started that. I said it was a seven year journey until publication, but now I'm going back like eight right, right. Know, years ago. The world has changed so much that the original concept for these, um, these women from history is not there in the same way or co-opted by so many voices supporting women and helping women that that can't be what the story would be about if I went back to that book. It would require like an, a major overhaul to make it relevant to readers today. And there could be a way. Um, and that's something I might revisit not now because there's too much going on, but maybe three years from now or four years from now, it will come to me. I know it's like cooking and simmering. When you live in a world of ideas um, that take a long time to, um, to cook, um, they will morph and change and you have to be flexible and agile as a writer to be able to, to deal uh, with that and go with the, the flow of a story. Yeah. But I, I wanna go back to one thing that you said about being lost in the woods because when you're writing something, you are very often lost in the woods. And there are times where it is so good 
to um, pause when you're stuck and backtrack or maybe tackle another aspect. Like maybe there's a little more research you need. Maybe you need to infuse a new character uh, into the story. Uh, maybe you need to learn more. Uh, so there, in that pause and backtracking, I'm still of the mind that something new has to enter uh, the scenario at that point. And even when you're stuck, that word persevere comes up for me because there is something to be said for just writing what comes out in that particular day because another takeaway uh, that maybe people who haven't written a book yet but want to should know is that any book on the shelf of a library or your favorite bookstore is like draft 279 of, of that book. And you know what I said before about it's really all in the editing. So there is something to be said for getting it out and down and even looking at how terrible it is in that first draft can help you uh, get unstuck because you're gonna see a way maybe to make it better. Yes, absolutely. And I'm so glad you spoke about um, the book that you had worked on um, mm -hmm. up until that point and realizing now, as you think about that manuscript, that it is not something that speaks to today's right reader in the mm -hmm. way that you intended. You know, whether or not you ever decide to move ahead with that manuscript, I think that's such a good point for people to hear. The world is changing. And, you know, some people are fortunate enough to, to find a, a manuscript in their drawer. I've had authors on before who, you know, they were cleaning the house and they, oh my gosh, I forgot that I'd written this 10 years ago. And they are able to dust it off and with some editing, publish it. Mm -hmm. And others still, um, like you, realize that the, the message is not workable with today's reader. Yeah, and it's not that the whole thing has to be scrapped, but that central story question that yes. is being answered is a different question. Right. So there, there might be, instead of writing about what these historical women were able to accomplish through their unconventionality, it might be more about how they needed to balance new ideas and new trains of thought in a society that was rapidly changing for its era. Like there just might be another lens to look through, uh, frame to look through. Uh, and, and that would maybe, you know, a character just coming to the top of my head now, I had a character that actually um, ended up to be harmful, but in the way the world has changed, her caution might actually be the path forward. 
the right path forward so that sides were not polarized. Mm. Um, so it's just a matter of we're, we're all evolving every single day. Yes. And that's part of our, our own character journeys. And that's what I talk about in Authorize It and the lessons in there. Um, and so always in any dust off, you have to take a look at how have you evolved? What do you know now that you didn't know when you first started writing that book? And you always have to think about the reader. Absolutely. How would this be meaningful for the reader mm -hmm. and, and impart some value to them? And I say, it's not the same book that I wrote right. all those years ago. Right, right. Now, uh, writing, writing Saturday's Child was a very personal journey for you. And yes. <laughs> certainly very, very personal. And, and the process therefore was also one that affected you deeply, I'm sure, emotionally, cathartically, in a million other ways. Um, let's talk about Authorize It. Authorize It is a very, very different book. Um, the lessons that you learned kind of framed to uh, help, and I, I love your tagline, think like a writer to win at work and life. Certainly to win at work, um, you've been a successful businesswoman who wants to give others the wisdom of uh, what you've learned, but I, I'm so glad you added and life. Uh, again, going with that tie-in that I mentioned even at the beginning, that your work life and our personal life, they're so intertwined. But tell me about process. If this was you, you know, pouring your guts out on a page, shall we say. Yeah, um, which, exactly. <laughs> ding, ding, yes. Yes, and that, that's what uh, Saturday's Child is, you know, you know, practically uh, cutting open a vein and pouring it on the, the keyboard. I mean, a very different process. Tell me about when you went to write Authorize It and how you approached it. So much uh, easier. Um, I, I liked your analogies, you know, yeah, it was like a vein opening, leeches, everything. Um, but it was a, it was turning my unique experience in that mother daughter relationship into a story. So it's a memoir that reads like a novel, mm -hmm. but it it has meaning for other people because it's a book without judgment. I loved my mother, uh, despite um, maybe a little narcissism <laughs> um, on her part. Um, but I, I really was in love with my mother and I wanted readers to feel that relationship so that they could understand it. And then when things changed in the story, they would be like, oh my God, I didn't see that coming. Um, so writing that and now knowing that it's so different from the book I originally envisioned, you know, I was hidden in that first book. And even when I first started writing memoir, I started it as a love letter to my mother. I really wasn't in it but it was about three quarters of the way through that memoir 
when I realized it's not her story. It's my perspective on our relationship. And that realization required another major rewrite. So you are a thousand, a million times correct that that first book took everything that I had to uh, push it out of that birth canal. <laughs> um, the second book was an equally important light bulb moment, but with my business background and for this new genre, it was a much easier write. And once I had the idea and the silver lining of extra time that the pandemic afforded us and, and me, um, I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't really doing um, anything in the same way I was doing it before. So I just, it poured out of me. Uh, the whole book uh, came out uh, in about a two and a half to three month process. And then the remaining months were just all in refining it and editing it and editing it again and again and again until it got to the place I wanted it uh, to be. And so it was a very short time, unlike that long circuitous journey to publication of the first book, this was like a, a quick uh, cesarean <laughs> to stay with the same analogy. Um, so very different personal experience um, and just a, a, a much um, lighter journey from beginning to end of this one. I bet it was. And, uh, you know, even besides the cesarean, now I, I know women who, who had the baby in the parking lot, they just, boom, <laughs> they just popped that out. But, you know, it's funny, you spoke about starting this, even aside from the emotional content, that this was, when, when you began Saturday's Child, you recognized there was so much that you don't know. I think that when you wrote Authorize It, you were going from a place of knowing. Excellent. You know, in all my interviews, Stephanie, no one has ever put it quite that way. That's an that's a, a excellent, excellent insight and one that I'm processing quickly uh, in the moment of this conversation. Uh, yes, I started it from a place of knowing. I started it from a place of certainty that if I wrote this in the right kind of accessible way for others, it would be a success and I could do it. I was confident. It was knowing and a confidence that I had the ability to see this through and do it which is something I didn't really have the first time around. I really, I thought I could do it, but I really didn't know I could do it. So yes, the, the starting gate for this one to our conversation a few minutes ago, <laughs> I was changed. Yeah. I was a different person 
when I started the second book than when I started the first. That's so exciting for, for people who are, whether they're starting that first and they're saying, oh my gosh, this is so much bigger than I thought it was gonna be. But other people, whether it's because they have the experience of writing others, or in your case, um, this is nonfiction speaking to your skill set about a journey that you had recently taken and could translate into uh, delivering to others succinctly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is definitely drawing on your, you know, this is what I do and I do it well. Let me help you. Yeah, and, and it really um, started from the place and an article I wrote tied to the first book where I had to give leadership lessons and I just tied it to the writing world. And when I did, I saw something that despite having been a chief innovation officer, here are five things I never knew about leadership and success until I wrote a book and it was like an epiphany yeah. uh, moment, but it came from persevering. And even though I didn't know where I was going, I was still at it and in conversation every single day. And then slowly being open, all of a sudden, this idea hit. Um, and then it's all a matter of acting on ideas when they come to you. Um, to quote a famous author, uh, super famous, a, an uber level um, author by the name of Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, she wrote a book called Big Magic. And it was her take on creativity. And I went to hear her speak years ago when it launched and she, calls ideas entities that float around us all. They're always there and they're always around us. And, and when an idea comes into your head, your job is to act on it. Because if you don't, and it's a good idea, two years from now, you're gonna see it because it came to someone else and they acted on it. And I just always, that was a very emotional uh, moment sitting in her audience and listening to her speak because she believes in the serendipity of all of this and how you can't really explain creativity and ideas, but you can live it and you can act. And, you know, my earlier word of just persevering um, every day. I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that, that notion of ideas being out there for us to act upon. How mm -hmm. many people I'm sure have come to you saying, oh, I'd love to write, but I have no ideas. What? Yeah, and it, it does happen frequently or they'll dismiss themselves by saying, oh, well, you could do it because you're so creative. And I always say, that's not it. The idea, the second before the idea hit to write that first book or to write the second one, the second before the idea came to me, 
it was not there. It, 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 it appeared. Yes. And then I could feel its worth. And I made it real. That's the, that's the only difference that people have creative thoughts or, uh, and, and ideas all the time. Right. It's just acting on them. And I think the second part is to be realistic and to know what you want. What do you want to happen from this experience? It may not happen, but what do you want? And for me with that first book, it was just a feeling that I, I wanted to write the book. I kept my expectations really in check. I just felt like this was a, the story I was born to tell and I had to tell it. And now was the time. And you know, no one was more surprised than me when it started winning awards. And when the Hollywood Reporter recommended that it be a series, like these were like, I didn't allow myself to think about that because I just believed that this was something I was being called to do in this moment for a reason I did not understand. Awesome. So awesome. And so many lessons for people. Um, lessons of tenacity, lessons of openness, um, lessons of how your life takes turns that you don't expect. Mm -hmm. And it's all, my mother always says to me, it's all part of the adventure. You know, if you're right. on a road to go someplace and you, you hit a detour or something happens, it's all part of the adventure. But you are obviously so open to the adventure of both books. Well, I try to be. I'm a little more of a recluse now after the pandemic. So I have to be, I have to go back to my former, slightly more adventurous self. But I think we all have to do that too. It's going to happen. Uh, it's not easy, is it? <laughs> yeah, and you know, as you were just summing up there, just one more thought, because we were talking about it being revealing and emotional torture with the first book. And I never intended to have myself in the story. And I'm a very private person. I mean, I am so not a social media oversharer or anything like that. Um, maybe it's my Italian Sicilian uh, half, you know, big secret keeper. <laughs> but when I had to reveal myself because it turned into a memoir and, and now I'm central to the story, I had all kinds of fears about uh, those revelations. Mm. And I think many people feel that way. Um, because being vulnerable uh, is viewed at not, as not being a, a good thing. Anything anyone really wants to know about me is in that book. And you know what happened after it published? All the horrifying things I envisioned. Nothing really. And, and what I hear most from people is that was brave or you know how could you you know write that and it's it's more in 
being able to relate and admiration. There were a couple of little blips. I can't say nothing bad happened because people always come out of the woodwork uh, in life, especially today. Uh, but 99% of the fears never manifested. And in fact, the book has brought me more strength than I ever anticipated. So I, I just want to leave that for people uh, as well. Best, best closing line you could have given me. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm all about uh, wanting other writers uh, to hear these uh, pearls of wisdom to be uh, embrace the permission you're giving them. And you're so right. People are very, very concerned about that. So I'm so glad you said that from a place of, you know, big revelations in here. She's still mm -hmm. here. She's good. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. I'm, good. I'm so glad you said that. Well, I have to tell you, Deborah, I always love when we get to chat and each time I learned something new. So we're going to just have to do this as again. Do I, as do I. So we're big fans of each other. Thank Absolutely. you so much for talking today. Oh, and we'll do it again so I can learn more. Thanks for joining me. And for all of our listeners out there, Deborah Burns, author of Saturday's Child and her newest release, Authorize It. Thanks for joining me. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>